Hello, we are back with another episode of the Sock Takes Pod. This one is number 44. We got a good show for you lined up today. Of course, the USL season is here, right around the corner. So, um, heavy USL preview show. Also going to be a little probably Indy 11 heavy, given our guest, which I'll introduce here in a minute. But yeah, big things on, uh, big things going on. Uh, season's about to start. MLS is well underway. Got some CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah, lots, of, lots, of, lots of footy going on. Lots of footy action. So let's jump right into it and let me introduce my guest and stop rambling. We have one of the sweetest babies um, known east of the Mississippi. I, I don't know about the West Coast, but within the USL Eastern Conference, he is the sweetest baby. It's Mr. Aaron Gunyan. What's going on, Aaron? Kevin, this is a pleasure as always. Episode 44. I think we're ready to knock this out of the park. I am curious, though. You're speaking so fast. It's like you're about to sell me some micro machines. I'm just amped up. It's I'm excited for this season. You know, I'm sober. I'm just, you know, I'm pumped. I don't have, you know, no depressants in the bloodstream. You know, nothing. So I'm, I'm super amped up, caffeined up a little bit. I'm just ready to go. So also alongside we if have. If it's not micro machines, it's not the real thing. Okay, yeah, I'm just a phony. <laughs> also joining us, we have another Sock Take staff writer, Mr. John Leonard. How's it going, John? It's going well. I've been on vacation for a week and, a week and change now, and in that vacation time, managed to find enough time to write this uh, brief, abbreviated little USL preview. Awesome. Yeah, we'll get to that here in a second. So I'm really looking forward to that. But yeah, I'm glad to hear you're enjoying that Cali breeze out there. Definitely appreciate the dedication, cranking out a story, hopping on the pod while on vacation. So much love for that. Joining us, our guest tonight, Indy 11 fans, you know him. He is the president of the Brickyard Battalion, the official supporters group for the Indy 11. It's Josh Mason. Josh, thanks so much for joining us, man. And how's it going? Greetings and salutations. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Pleasure. So uh, first, let's kick it over to you, John. You just tweeted out actually moments before we started recording. You've got a little, uh, not little, I take that back. Uh, Let's call it a manifesto. You've got a USL preview manifesto uh, coming out here soon. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it um, and maybe start off with the word count. (laughs) Yeah, so I decided to just start writing up what I thought might be an interesting bit of a preview post for this weekend's USL action. And it spiraled rapidly out of control and is now sitting just under 7,000 words, 6,886. I think I started writing this just for fun on Tuesday afternoon at one point and then just decided to keep working on it, keep working on it. And now it is about as happy with it as I'm going to be. And yeah, we're, we'll have a nice summary of every single team in the league for this year, the three teams that have left, why, and a little bit about their potential futures, covering the records and at- average attendance for all of our returning teams and our two new teams joining from the USL. Hello, Indy. Or NASL. Hello, Indy. And uh, yeah, it's... It was a lot of fun to write, and I'm particularly proud of the section on FC Cincinnati, where I may have uncovered a minor, I don't know if, it's not a conspiracy, but it's just something weird and interesting, and 
I find it highly amusing. Excellent. So, Josh, let's start kind of backwards and then work up to the present before we get into the preview. So let's rewind a little bit to uh, the start of the offseason for the Indy 11. Uh, take us back to kind of a snapshot of that time. Um, and how are you feeling about the squad, the squad's future then? And how do you feel about, you know, as the, the offseason transpired, um, what do you feel about all the major moves that Indy 11 made as far as league, stadium and whatnot? Well, I mean, I first tell you first and foremost, I didn't. I just the same uh, unsure feeling that everyone else had about the NASO I had. So to the point where I actually, I actually flew to Miami. Uh, well, I was there for work. I actually met with Rishi, who is the uh, commissioner of the NASL. To the point where I'm actually spending time with people who are truly making the decisions behind the scenes to determine what the health of my club was going to be in the next year. And I first say my amazing Rishi, by the way, if you've never had a chance to work with him, he's a wonderful human being, and I feel really bad for what's happened to the NASL. But it obviously I didn't leave there feeling that I, the NASL had any kind of real opportunity outside what came from the lawsuit. So I actually had a genuine sense of panic that we were going to be, you know, with no real announcement on the forefront for us to go to USL, that I was actually in a panic point, like, well, from a board perspective, um, as a president, what do I do? Do I plan for next season or I plan to try to somehow create uh, activity and excitement between an entire year where there's no soccer. Season. So there was no information given to us in regards to um, what was going to happen. You know, I met with her saw pretty regularly to try to figure out what he's going to do. And, and really what a lot of us riding upon, we were going to, if we, if and when we could get a, get help from the city uh, to have a place to play. And, and because of that help, it allowed us to shift the USL, which obviously happened rather quickly, which I think for the average fan and is exciting, which I happen to agree with. Um, and, and granted, a lot of us were calling for it during the NASL season last year. So granted, we've only had a month to promote to try to fill a stadium. But, you know, I, I, I'm happy where things are currently. Granted, I would like to have had more time to drive excitement, but I'm really hoping by March 31st, we have a full stadium and a great opportunity to showcase soccer in Indiana. And of course the Brickyard Battalion used to be known as the West End over there on the West side of Carroll stadium. Now the BYB is moving to the North end. So um, are you excited about being in Lucas oil Mason? And um, can you give us an update? Maybe uh, I know there was some information out at first. It appeared that the supporters group was optimistic about um, using some of the stuff they do um, in game um, celebration and whatnot. Sure. Sure. Um, and, uh, but it sounds like uh, it kind of things hit a rough patch and maybe um, Lucas oil um, wasn't so keen to some of those things. So what's the, the, the update on that front? <laughs> well, Lucas Oil is the home of the Colts. And as much as they want to talk about being a multi-use venue, if, you know, for, for people who are paying into from a taxpayer perspective, let's be really clear here. The Ursays and the Ursay family have a lot to do with the stadium and why it's there. Um, and what we can do there is really heavily dictated by what the venue can allow us to do. So, like, for instance, smoke was a big, huge issue for a long time. Obviously, as supporters in soccer culture, would it dictate that smoke would be part of our culture? If we let even one smoke bomb off in that building, I can tell you right now, it will haze the field the entire game. So we actually have worked to a, a compromise where we actually we're going to be using streamers for games. That is um, something we had to work directly with Lucas Oil to get approved, if you can believe that. So now we will be heavy streamers, which 
end of the day, we don't care. We celebrate the way we celebrate. Smoke is a nice to have. It, it by no means should dictate my fandom in regards to how I act on game days. So, uh, in fact, we're actually going to the FO tomorrow to actually have discussions to make sure we're all aligned on what what game celebrations look like, uh, when goal celebrations look like, you know, how we're going to use the ribbon board, how we're going to use the, the electronics in the building that we now have, which we didn't have prior, because we want to make sure it stays true to soccer culture and we don't turn into the Colts and play Bachman Turner overdrive when we score goals and, you know, set off fireworks and things that we don't think are true to soccer culture. Those are things we're going to try to push forward in the stadium. But we're excited. At the end of the day, we don't care. We, we'll bring our flags, we'll bring our drums, and we'll do what we do. I mean, that's our, our job is to fill our section with fans who want to sing and be there for 90 minutes. So whether we have smoke or no smoke, that was, for me, always pretty irrelevant. But I'll take whatever we can get. And I've, I've been really appreciative of Lucas Oil folks in the CIB who have been really, really helpful and try to understand our culture and be helpful in the process. And Aaron, um I'm going to give you a little question here and then feel free to, to pick Mason's brain after I'm going to put you on blast and uh, put you on the spot here. Um, let's get right to it. Where do you think Aaron that the Indy 11 will finish uh, this new revamped Martin Lenny red 2018 Indy 11 roster? Uh, will they make that, that top eight to make the USL playoffs? Are they that good or uh, maybe just below the line? Are they a contender? How do you size up this 2018 Indy 11 squad? Thank you, Kevin, for that question, and I appreciate the opportunity to speak with all the people who are listening to this podcast. It's our honor, sweet baby. Thanks for putting me on blast. Listen, I think this team has what it takes to at least make the playoffs, no question. It might be a slow start. Teams always have a tough time with cohesion. You know, you have a new coach, a new system. You have almost an entirely new squad and a new facility. I don't imagine it's easy going right out of the gate. However, uh, having seen in person some of the talent that's been assembled, having looked over some of the players that have been selected, I'm pretty confident in their abilities. I don't think that Indy 11 is going to be a team that's embarrassed by any stretch. I think they're going to be putting it to quite a few other teams. As long as they start hitting on all cylinders, who knows when that will be, but as long as they start hitting on all cylinders... I think that Indy 11 will be a team that others are afraid to face. And when you combine that with a home field in front of a crowd like the Brick Air Battalion, there's there's no question in my mind that Indy has a chance to be in the top four, top five of the league in the East. I don't know where it goes when you when you compare Indy 11 to somebody like Louisville, Louisville City, who is bringing back almost the entire squad, almost the entire coaching staff, they're playing in all the same familiar settings. You bring in um, and you talk about you're playing FC Cincinnati, which has clearly gone out and spent big thinking about MLS aspirations. They're, they're another favorite for me in the East. And the 11 is going to be right up there because they don't want to be embarrassed in this regional rivalry, which is something that I think all of the fans that, that live in Indianapolis and have been participating and who have been waving flags and, and even queuing the smoke at Carroll Stadium, they've all been excited for a regional rivalry. And I think Ursal Ozdemir, team owner, and uh, team president Jeff Belskis and Martin Rennie, new head coach, have assembled the best squad that they possibly can under the limited time available to be competitive in this, in this definitely three-team Cascadia Cup. I want to call it the 
Ohio River Valley Cup. It's not. It doesn't roll <laughs> off the tongue. It doesn't at all. I, I want to like call it, it the Ohio River. Yeah, sure. We'll workshop I mean, it. it. I'm not workshopping anything with you, John. <laughs> That's the vodka talking. I'm not mad at you. I'm sorry. So, what what people do? They default to this, you know, I-65 Cup. That's the interstate that runs between Indianapolis and Louisville. Uh, I like I think it. It's boring. I think it's boring. I think it's boring. And it's already been done. And there's the I-74 Cup, which is you know the interstate that runs between. Uh, Indianapolis and Cincinnati. I think I think that's boring. You need to go with something that everybody knows. It's the Ohio River Valley. Um, at least nobody knows that but me. But the point is, <laughs> how did we get here, Kevin? You tell me. What do we want to talk about? We want to talk about do do Indy Eleven have what it takes? Uh, do the Indy Eleven have what it takes? I think that they do. I think that the coaches assembled a squad that that is versatile. I think that that's going to be a word that I'm going to say quite a bit throughout the rest of the season. The attacking prowess is versatile. I think the coach has a few lineups that he can go with and a few formations that he can go with that are completely different than what we've seen in the past. I think there are opportunities going forward that this team has never had, especially last year. There wasn't, there weren't a lot of options if if players went down with injury. Now there there are going to be legitimate. Um, what's what's the word I'm looking for? There are going to be legitimate contests at each position, and we're going to wonder who the best player is at each given position, which will make a job like yours and mine very difficult going forward. So it sounds like you believe Indy 11 are a playoff squad. You didn't quite put a number on there, but I think you said fourth or fifth range. So sounds to me like official prediction from Aaron Gunyan the Indy 11 will make the USL Eastern Conference playoffs. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you're not putting me on blast when you say that. I think it, when you when you look around at the talent that Indy 11 has has attained, acquired, you have many players that played in MLS last year. You have some players that played in MLS the year before. You have quite a few players that were on championship NASL teams the year before and the year before that. You have players from San Francisco Deltas, New York Cosmos. These weren't slouch players. These were starters. These were near NASL best 11 players. The roster itself on paper is quite talented. What the coach does with it is up to him. Coach Martin Rennie has done a good job in the very short amount of time he's had. And he told me, you know, he said, when I asked him, I said, do you think you're going to have a tough time coming in late the way you are? He said, no, there's a, there's a glut of players. He didn't use the word glut. I think he said there's a surplus of players. And a lot of that has to do with the unfortunate um, folding, closures, demise of some of the NASL clubs like FC Edmonton, San Francisco Deltas. Obviously, we've, acqu- we've reacquired Zach Steinberger from Jacksonville Armada who are in a weird place that I don't even know how to explain, but they're, they're in a place that is different than what they were last year. So Indy 11 has capitalized in the best way they know how, and and they have assembled a roster that can compete. Again, I don't know how these players line up together. I don't know who the captain is. I don't know who your your leading goal scorers are going to be. This is all new to me. But um, there is promise on this roster 
I don't care about the preseason scoring records or the preseason actual, you know, physical records. But what I what I do know is we've seen different looks with different players and a lot of different players can slot into different positions. So that type of flexibility, if used properly, can give opponents fits. And let's pitch that same question over to John, you first, and then over to you, Mason. Um, do you guys think that the Indy 11 are a top eight team in the Eastern Conference? And give me your class of the Eastern Conference. We can talk about the Western Conference here in a moment, but let's focus on the East for now. So are the Indy 11 a playoff team? And who is the class of the division? Okay, so the... Top team in the Eastern Conference. I see no reason why Louisville can't repeat. Like, I, I, I look at the Louisville changes they've made in the offseason, and I see a roster that has just improved. Uh, I, I think putting them in the top tier is probably the safest bet you can make in the Eastern Conference as of right now. Joining them... It gets a little bit harder as you go down. Charleston is probably going to still be pretty good. Tampa Bay is going to probably still be pretty good. I think without the Rhinos and without Orlando City B, Indy will get into the top eight almost by default. Interesting. I, I would put them finishing somewhere fourth through sixth if things go really well. Or they're going to be like a, a tied on point seven or eighth seed if if things are a little rocky. And what about you, Josh? I'm a little more optimistic. Granted, I don't know the USL as well as I know, obviously, the, the league we just came from. But if I want to echo some of the things that Aaron was saying, I want to make sure that, that I'm giving a little bit of credit to Trevor James, who just recently departed from the team, who when we talk about, you know, you know, he mentioned all the people who were building that roster in the offseason. Trevor did a great job of assembling a lot of that team. I think 80% of that team is some of the work that he did from a scouting perspective. So, quick shout out to Trevor James. I know he's no longer with the team. This I want to make sure I'm, I'm recognizing, yeah, recognizing his work uh, in regards to Indy 11 and why they are shaped the way they are. Because obviously, he was doing work not even knowing if we're going to be a club either. But um, the work he did in just a short period of time to help Martin build the team is nothing short of miraculous. So <laughs> um, best wishes to him what he does next. Now, as to where we land, like I said, like I said, I don't know this league as well. Um, I do watch. I did watch it quite frequently in, the, in, in 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 conjunction with the USL. I'm a little more optimistic, man. We look really, really fast, and I'm only going to compare against the one game I think we all watched was, was the USL final, which to me was absolute garbage. Uh, if you guys watched that game, um, I, I, I'll speak only for my only personal opinion. I was not impressed with the level of play that was uh, uh, portrayed that evening. My hope and my desire is if, it, if we continue to play, and to be very fair, we have not seen the true lineup that Martin and the company is going to run uh, come day one. We've seen a lot of four four two. I I I am on the lines of Aaron and I've been speaking offline. I see us playing a three man front. Uh, we haven't really seen that as of yet. I think that's pretty much what I think we're gonna see. But I could see us being a top three team in this league if we stay healthy, which has always been an issue with Indy eleven year over year over year. If we can stay healthy, I could very easily see me a top three team. 
But I am agreeing with John in regards to what I see out of Louisville and the investment in Cincinnati. It's really these three teams who really who could potentially run the East. Now, I always like it when historical clubs like Charleston Battery tend to do well. Uh, I love it when the independent clubs tend to do well. Tampa Bay has clearly done a lot of things with uh, Blake and some of the things they're doing down there. I think, I think I think it's really a race between the Ohio Valley and Tampa to see what happens in the East. Cool. And, the Ohio uh, Valley, the Ohio Valley making a making a shout out. I like that. Just trying to yeah. help your cause. Yeah, the Ohio Valley Cup. It's a thing. It's a oh. thing. And guess what? Make it a thing. We now have Mr. Napoon Chopra, Sock rider, joining us. Just piping in, Napoon. What's going Hello. on, brother? Hi guys, how's it going? I was just uh, doing what Josh should be doing, which is painting Tifo, but uh, Josh Mason's the least responsible president uh, the world has ever seen. So, there's that. <laughs> You're going to get fake fired. News. You're That's out. fake news. You need to see yourself out. Hashtag Chopra out as um, BYB Communications Director. Chopra out. <laughs> it's not the first time I've been fired from a shitty job. <laughs> so Napoon, let's put you on the spot because uh, I just put all, all right. these guys on blast. Um, nice. Are the Indy Eleven a top eight team going to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, in your opinion? And uh, which team do you think is the class of the East? I think it's uh, so. Yes, I think Indy will make the playoffs. Um, I think the class is still has to be Louisville City FC. Um, they're biggest strength is their coach who is the best in usl um his uh weakness is squad depth uh, they got really lucky last year i think they only had 15 players on the roster but they managed to win because most of their players stayed fit they will miss a couple of players one of whom has gone to the mls who's good mid- midfielder for them plays for lafc um and uh, of course we have to look at fc cincinnati i think the nucleus of of all the fun will be, you know, two-hour drive for, for us, which is awesome. FC Cincinnati has the best team on paper um, in terms of uh, the strength of their team and depth. But I don't think Alan Cook uh, will survive the season. I don't think he will be at the at the helm come October even or September even because I don't think he can bring the best out of the personnel he has. Interesting. Uh, Aaron, you that wanna... is a hot take. That is a hot take. <laughs> Sizzling hot. Sizzling. Shots fired. <laughs> so, well, Aaron, do, uh, do you want to pick Mason's brain? I do. We can shift gears. Let's talk about, uh, as a fan of Indy 11, as somebody who is deeply concerned and, and in a good way with with the game day atmosphere and the game day experience. We've already talked about smoke, and and I know that a lot of people threw a temper tantrum, and and, and I'm not... I already went there, but I'm not going there. I want to talk about things that I, I think that have been glossed over or perhaps forgotten. Things like partnerships that the BYB has. There's one particular partnership that is near and dear to my heart, and that is the partnership that the Brickyard Battalion has with a local brewing company called People's Brewing Company. Uh, People's has partnered and, to my knowledge, created a collaboration beer called the battalion ale i think it's delicious we had it last year and uh can design artwork done by none other than patrick cummings of brickyard battalion fame a lot of other things great great to know about the byb and battalion ale i want to know is the battalion ale going to be served 
inside Lucas Oil Stadium. And I want to know how fans can pick that up. And I want to know a lot of other things. But uh, start start there and the relationship that you have with People's Brewing Company. Yeah, first of all, Chris, just Chris Johnson, the company, that those guys there are class people. Uh, we have a constant communication with them in regards to our uh, what we call our, our Slack, if you will, where we're constantly having conversations. Uh, it is being brewed as we speak. The partnership still exists. It will be served in Lucas Oil Stadium. I'm sure it will be at a more premium price than what we're used to, obviously, from our days at the mic. But regardless, it still will have a presence in the stadium, and it will have a presence at our tailgate as well. Uh, we're actually looking to create some merchandise for them that will go live probably within the next couple of weeks. We'll be selling some battalion ale merchandise as well at our tailgates for home games. And the actually Big Red is getting about to get a shipment of uh, Big Red Liquors. There's a local uh, chain here in Indianapolis area. And Bloomington will be soon be getting their first shipments of Italian ale. And you can actually order it as well on Drizzly, which is an, a wonderful app that will take it directly to your home. And, of course, they'll have a heavy presence at all of our tailgates for 2018. So, I mean, we love our relationship with these guys. Ten has a great beer. And, uh, you know, we're one of, we're not – necessarily the pioneer but one of the few soccer clubs that have had a beer for a good period of time and we're happy with the partnership and hope to keep it going what are some other unique partnerships that brickyard battalion has if any and what are you looking to unveil and do differently this year as far as you know it's lucas oil stadium it's new what what are some things as a fan even returning or new fan what can you expect from the game day experience when you walk in to lucas oil stadium and you take your place in the general admission right general admission section on the north end of the west end of the stadium of the (laughs) well let's walk it back even further right so first and foremost we now have a tailgate partner uh we'll be uh all of our tailgates will be taking place at gate 10 uh, we're going to probably try to rela- rename it Gate 11 for obvious purposes on the days in which we will be residing there. But this is actually going to be an indoor-outdoor partnership. So, you know, Wait, hold on. I'm going to stop you real quick. I'm going to stop you real quick. Yep. Is Gate 10 uh, affiliated with Lucas Oil Stadium, or is Gate 10 a separate entity? It is with- not. It's a, what it's is Gate 10? Entity. It is, Gate 10 is a literally a facility. The gentleman, uh, Rick, who owns the facility, uh, actually just happened to own a business close to Lucas Oil when they built it and found out that, you know, he probably could make better revenue if he were just to close his business and charge for parking and turn it into an all, uh, all a catering facility for the most part. And so we've created a partnership with them, and Rick and those guys have been fantastic to work with. So the, the thing about this having an indoor-outdoor space is great because if you think about our experience with the mic, first and foremost, we can get to the we can get into the lot five hours previous to a game. Where remember, if you remember with the mic, we could be no more than two to three hours before our game. So we have more time to tailgate. Uh, now we have indoor-outdoor space. Remember, our indoor space where we tailgated the mic was the parking garage if it rained. Now we have an indoor facility where everybody can actually come into and still continue to tailgate even if it does rain. And the other, the other nice thing about this, too, is that we have the ability to march in the stadium as a group. So we're able to be literally close up tailgates and take a direct march into the stadium. Uh, a lot of soccer uh, supporters groups do it. This is our first opportunity to give this a shot and see how it works for Indianapolis. We've never really had to do it before because we really tailgate right across the street. So now with a little bit of walk, we have a chance to create a march and create a, a, a different game day atmosphere. We're, we're going to see really quickly you know, if Indiana fans or Indianapolis or Indy 11 fans want to participate in something like this, but I think it's a good opportunity for us to try something new and see what people think. 
So we've talked a little bit uh, about the Eastern Conference and the Indy 11 game day. Sean, let's kick it back over to you since you got your preview coming out at SockTakes.com here pretty mm-hmm. soon. Um, tell me who you think is the class of the West. And another question for you while you're at it. Um, if you look at the, the table from 2017, a couple of the MLS reserve teams did all right in the East. Of course, you got um, Red Bulls 2, always a very competitive side. Uh, Orlando City B, now defunct, but they were just outside the playoffs in ninth last year. But over on the West, it seemed like particularly the MLS reserve sides all were just miserable, like all just mired at the bottom of the table. Um, so do you think, can any of those MLS reserve sides out West um, kind of way outperform what they did last year? And who's the class of the West? Okay, so I'm not going to give everything away. I actually specifically talked about those reserve teams in the West and how I what I thought about them. Spoiler alert. I don't like Timbers, too. I didn't like Whitecaps, too. I continue to dislike Los Dos, and S2 need to change their damn name yesterday. That said, Real Monarchs, Real Monarchs, I don't think are going to go quietly into the night. That organization is only adding to their uh, USL program with their new venue, their new training facilities, and more staff I think the Monarchs are going to continue to be a threat. I think they're really well run for a reserve team. And the fact that they're actually taking them seriously and marketing them and they play in a different part of the city. If you're going to do a directly owned and operated reserve team, be more like RSL and be less like Portland, Vancouver, LA, or Seattle. (laughs) I think... Reno could take it all. Reno looked very, very dangerous last year, and Ian Russell put together a hell of a team. And even without Dane Kelly, I still think they're going to be a serious threat all season long. I think Swope Park is going to get picked over a little bit more, and I think SKC is going to realize that the philosophy they've been using pretty consistently for about the past eight years now is going to need more depth than they have on the MLS roster, and that's going to hurt Swope Park, which is going to likely bring the switchbacks into playoff contention. I don't see RGV doing any better this year. In fact, I see them doing worse with more shakeups and hiring Gerson Echeverry. Uh, Seton Hall was garbage when he was in charge, and I don't see any reason to have any faith in him yet. I I think, honestly, we're just going to see Swope drop to about 11th, and everybody else just move up one, and maybe a little bit of swapping here and there. Reno, San Antonio, Monarchs, in that order for the top three. Uh. I just want to see OKC finally make it to the damn championship game. Even if they lose 10 nothing, 15 nothing, just make the damn championship game. And Napoon, if, if I recall correctly, I think you spent a little time out teaching out in Oklahoma City. Um, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I did uh, over a decade ago now, yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I know you're, you're kind of close to that club. You've broken some news and follow them pretty closely. So uh, how do you think the, the Energy FC will do? this year and who is uh, going to finish at the top of the table out West. So 
I can talk a little about energy, but honestly, I, I would not have the most informed opinion about the West, so I wouldn't be able to answer that well. But in terms of the energy, they've had a tumultuous uh, last three or four months. Uh, they've their uh, head coach, the entire coaching staff left. Uh, also, their technical director is now at Boca Raton FC. Um, but they made some very good signings uh, as well in the, over over the off season. Um, I think they'll be a good team. Last season, last season they started off. Uh, they had a weird season last season. They made some very good signings uh, and looked good in the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, but they started the season really in some really poor form. They would outplay teams and then drop points, and it was a consistent story of energy until the playoffs. And just about a month before playoffs, energy started hitting some form, starting winning, started winning games. They finished eighth, uh, so they sne- they snuck into the playoffs. And then went all the way to the semifinal and could have even made uh, the final. So, um, you know, they, they are a good team. They're an underrated team. And they're kind of the team that goes forgotten. And I expect them to do well again this year. Uh, but the key for them will definitely be uh, how, the new, uh, how the new coach starts up and how he integrates his team. Mason, one thing I wanted to ask you about is I was fortunate enough recently to catch the new expansion team, the Las Vegas Lights FC out there. Uh, when I was out west a couple weeks ago. My question for you is, uh, I wrote a, a story after I attended the match. Yes, and, yes, uh, Mason is a stripper. I, we, you don't <laughs> have to, everyone knows this. Like, how do you think he makes all his money? How do you think he got rich? <laughs> Mason's a stripper. It's all $1 that, bills. That, that's point. already been confirmed. <laughs> single, bi- single bills, single source. So, uh, Mason, when I was watching the game, it kind of made me appreciate the BYB. Um, just... Um, for one, it's not necessarily a fair comparison. You know, they're an expansion team. You absolutely have to give them time to develop their supporter culture. But the most glaring thing, the obvious thing, which doesn't need to be talked about, is a certain chant that they yell during goal kick. So that's obvious, you know, de facto point number one that they have to scrap to improve. But what advice would you give Mason to the supporters, uh, the hardcores, uh, of Las Vegas Lights FC, what would you tell them as far as you know developing the supporter culture um, and just some of the just you know take us back to the days when you were first forming the BYB in that first year uh, with Indy Eleven? Uh, what would your advice be to them? I mean, first and foremost, if you can get yourself under one larger umbrella. So what I consider the BYB is really an umbrella group, right? So I I don't nothing bothers me in regards to the, the smaller groups that kind of work underneath the umbrella. The professionalism aspect really helps uh, when you're trying to have professional conversations with people and people have you take you seriously by, you know, following, you know, getting a non-for-profit number and doing the things necessary to be considered a professional organization first and foremost. And obviously majority of the work is beating the streets, right? Getting out there and finding your soccer fans and finding people who are generally passionate about the game and getting them under, getting them, you know, together in some capacity, you know, obviously having a team to go watch is an easier way to do it the way that we did it, which was, you know, go to random pub and please come see us talk about soccer. You know, isn't it nearly as, as easy as, you know, come visit this game and have this experience. Um, all supporter cultures obviously work itself over time. Uh, I think it would really help if their jerseys didn't have smiley faces on the inside of them. That would make me think a lot more of them. Uh, if you're talking about Las Vegas. Excuse um, me. Just saying. Um, 
uh, I happen to be more of a Reno guy. If you're asking me who my West Coast team is, I'd say it's Reno because it has the same ownership as the Indiana Pacers. So there's a nice Indiana tie for that team, and you had your your leading goal scorer coming from that squad this past year. Um, so shout out to the Simons, if you will. But um, in terms of you know building that culture, I mean, it's about I hate to say it, it's shaking hands and kissing babies and being in the stands and introducing yourself and creating a positive culture in the stands, which I think we've done a really good job with. You know, anybody sits in the section, you know, everyone's friends, everyone gets to know each other. Everyone has a, a positive experience and that experience, you know, expands to one to two more people every single time, every game. And that's kind of the, what we're looking to get every single time. Now, granted, Lucas Oil, we're, we hope that you bring five friends a game now because we have a much larger section of fill. But I said, that's really the, that's the essence of it, right? I mean, the culture itself will, will create itself over time. It's adding the professionalism on top of the fun, and that's the toughest part because the professionalism part isn't always the most fun. Or when Napoon, like, for instance, you know, was participating tonight with TIFO, I mean, that's a, that's a huge undertaking. Those are, these are people who are putting a lot of hours and time into something that's really, really a great cultural thing with soccer. And, uh, you know, it's hard to get volunteers and, and to get people to really, really involved. And I said, we've been really, really lucky with having Slaughterhouse and people who are genuinely passionate about it to get it done. And I hope that, I hope that happens for Las Vegas. I hope that happens for every club across the U.S. Because, you know, if they're Division Four, Division One, you know, having a great supporter culture is everything, in my opinion, in regards to your game day experience. Aaron, Napoon, or John, you, anybody got anything for Josh? Well, I mean, I... I think, I mean, this is not a question. It's more a comment, and Josh knows what I what I'm going to say, which is that <laughs> he can't know you haven't said anything yet. Well, he he'll know as soon as I start. Josh well, yeah, I mean, he knows after you say it, but he doesn't know right now. Josh is the most one of the most important people to this club. Without Josh, Indy Eleven isn't where it is, and I don't know if people. And I, I'll say this for myself. I didn't know how much work Josh put into it until I joined the board. And even now, I'm not convinced that I know all of it. Uh, Josh does a lot of work behind the scenes. A lot of the stuff that everyone takes for granted in terms of game day experience comes from meetings that Josh has on his own dime. Of course, his dime is different than the rest of the world's because it's millions of dollars. But, you know, it's... <laughs> And he spends out of his day away from his family, away from his work. So I am, as someone who is just learning the behind the scenes of Breakout Battalion, I'm immensely appreciative of what Josh has done for not just the Breakout Battalion, but for the entire organization of Indy 11. So just a comment, not a question. But also, Josh, is brother. obnoxious. <laughs> I appreciate that because it is work. And if people don't think it's work, they're, they're, I mean, it is fun work to a degree, but it is work. And all stuff that's necessary to, I mean, someone has to lead and, and take shape and create a vision for a group in hopes that it's a shared vision and people are driving towards the same thing. But, you know, and that's the, when you mentioned, you know, Las Vegas Light, someone has to have that vision for that group and help align it, you know, with the FO or with, you know, the, you know, the local fans and help build it for what it can be. John or Aaron, anything for Josh? No, I think that was tremendous praise, but it was well-deserved for Josh Mason. I mean, the first president of the Brickyard Battalion, Derek Ritchie, was around for year one, and then Josh has stepped in, I think, immediately after that 
and has been, I'm assuming, uncontested as president since that that very moment. I don't know if there was an election or not. I I would have voted for him. Let's just say Josh has a bit of a dictatorial control. I was going to say Ronnie. There was Russian interference for sure. And you know, I had some Russian bots. You know, that's how you get elected. I mean, I mean, I take, I can take a, you know, page from a, a bestseller. Come on, let's go. Here's what I know. I mean, we've gone full shill for Indy Eleven uh, for from this point forward. I mean, Sock Takes is is independent overall, but a lot of our hearts really belong with with the club first and foremost, and it's hard for me to separate. Um, I am super excited for the upcoming season, and I want to see as many people as I possibly can fill the the sections in Lucas Oil Stadium. So I personally have have organized my own tailgate that's probably going to be, who knows where it's going to be, but it's it's going to compete head-to-head with Josh Mason's tailgate. This is, this, is my, this is my promise to the American people right now. I want to I want to get... And it's like a friendly competition, right? Like, I mean, we all win. The more people that go, the more new people that have fun. I, even Nipun Chopra, who is notoriously tight with money, has offered to <laughs> to sponsor, I don't know, homeless families or something to that effect. How many did you get takers, by the way? Nipun, do you have people going? Yeah, well, the way it worked out is your family did reach out. And I said, there's a certain level of homeless of Allah. <laughs> <laughs> so i also said that i would subsidize tickets i did not say that i would buy people you know without homes tickets and um but napoon is a better person than i am josh is a better person than i am um i wouldn't tell them to their face but i'll tell them over this podcast i respect the hell out of both of you guys and whatever you're doing is amazing i want to see as many people that I, as i can and i want people to have a great time it starts in the tailgate. It continues in the game. Lucas Oil Stadium is going to be a whole new animal. I'm pumped to see what happens. I'm, I'm excited to see what the new coach is going to do and a lot of the new players. Let's talk about, for for a second, some of the new players I'm excited about. I, I mentioned briefly that I don't care about the results in preseason, but I do care about the form. So uh, a player that I'm now watching who's who's heavily on my radar, I wasn't sure. Eugene Starikov. I, I might not be pronouncing it right, but Starikov uh, has scored three goals. And why that's important to me is uh, he was not a player that was a prolific goal scorer. He was a player that could score, but was not necessarily called upon to do that for the New York Cosmos. Already in his brief time with Indy 11, he has found a nose for goal and probably heavily influenced his starting role on the team. I'm not sure where he's going to deploy, but back to what Mason and I were saying in a, in a 4-3-3 scenario, he might be an attacking three on the right side. There are a lot of other things that are exciting. One thing that is that is fascinating to me, players that we all love and know that have roles on this team, like Justin Braun, may be battling like crazy to see playing time. Last season, whenever Justin Braun was remotely healthy, he was an automatic must-play, must-insert. Now Justin Braun has a lot of competition around him to see playing time. I do believe he's earned a right on this team. Uh, We'll see what what he does with his full recovery. He's had minutes in preseason, 
but I'm excited to see his full progression back to form and to see him able to play 90 minutes and to see him battle back and really compete with a lot of these other attacking players that Indy 11 has. So I'm pumped up. I'm geeking out and I'm totally shilling for Indy 11, a team that maybe sometimes hasn't deserved it. They've done things in the off season that have been questionable, maybe not necessarily legally, but they've been questionable as far as mm, yeah, your good guy morality kind of thing. And we can, we can hit that on another podcast. Well, I won't do that with Josh on the program, but um, this is, this is where I am. This is what I think about on a constant basis. The tailgate is going to be a massive throwdown. Josh, uh, I want you to bring as many people as you can. I'm going to bring as many people as I can. Napoon is going to pay for my family who can't afford it to go. (laughs) And, and I guess, I mean, other people are going to be eating chicken wings. People are going to be drinking battalion ale. What else do you want? What, what more could you have? The beautiful game is making its return to Indianapolis. Absolutely. Keep in mind, people, you can go to both tailgates, you know, stop by one, stop by the other. So definitely come check both out. Um, I love the topic switch there, sweet baby, back to Indy 11, because, you know, we touched a good chunk on Indy 11, but we made a focus that this was going to be an Indy 11 heavy pod. So I like how we we revisited that. One question I want to pose both to you, Napoon and Josh, is it's kind of hard to predict the starting 11 right now. Um, especially, you know, we're not sure what the formation is. So the, the forwards and the midfielders, it's even harder. Um, you know, Eugene kind of, is a starter. Eugene is a starter. Possibly, Don't know where he's uh, I'm, a starter. I tend to agree with you at this point. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is what appears to me to be like a true battle, like, you know, a solidified position. Like we know, you know, a guy is going to be here and it's between these two guys, which for me, it's shaping up at left back. Um, I think most people thought that uh, Iose Garcia Perez would kind of be the default starter. I believe he was in the 2016 NASL Best 11, so he's got a lot of pedigree coming from the New York Cosmos. But you also have Tyler Pasher, who's a very talented left-sided player. He's capable of being a, a wingback or even stepping up into the midfield if need be. But I think it's probably his best spot is as a left back. Um, so for me, I think that this might be shaping up to to be a true camp battle. Um, and of course, Pastor has quite a bit of pedigree of his own. He was on uh, the Swope Park Rangers team that just made a run to the finals last year. So Aaron, or sorry, um, Aaron, you jump in here too. Um, Aaron Napoon and Josh, without giving too much um, detail, you know, you don't have to write a book, but who is your starter at left back for the Indy 11? I'll go first because I'll be quick. If you had asked me two weeks ago, I would say Iozzi was a slam dunk. I agree with you. I'm not sure it's a slam dunk right now. Pasher does have speed that will break players down. I saw it in person a couple weeks ago. It was a lot faster than I thought it was going to be. And uh, we, we talked about this on the last podcast, but Tyler does have the ability to break the starting 11. Napoon? Yeah, I think uh, Iozzi is starting left back for us. Uh, with the first game we played, uh, Josh and I, uh, you were there too, KJ, uh, out at uh, the facility in Westfield. Grand Park. Uh, we, yeah, we played a flat four four two, and uh, the advantage of playing Pasher is that he is he would be very good in a flat four four two at either left back or as a left winger. I don't think he can play an attacking left midfielder role. I think that will most likely be someone like Amankola 
or uh, maybe even Sterikov coming in from that side onto his, onto his right foot. Um, even Maybe even Suni Saad can play over there as well. So um, I think starting left back is Ayozi, but Pasher is definitely a very, very good understudy. And I think he would be uh, good as a wing back or in a flat 4-4-2 as a left winger. Mason, who you got at the left back, Ayose or Pasher? I was like, no, I just like the fact that we're so deep because that's something we had issues with for so many years. I hope they both see a healthy rotation based on whoever we're playing. But in a flat four four two, I mean, you can always shift one person to the middle as well. I mean, I mean, it depends on health, you know, health of players too. So I, I'm more aligned with Napoon in regards to what I think we'll see starting. But honestly, I hope it changes week to week because I want I want a full squad that's really to play any given time. So um, I say Jose based on based on experience, but Pasher with probably by the end of the season might be your starter. This would be a good time for me to insert the one bit of unique information I can offer is that head coach Martin Rennie is targeting 24 players on his roster. Uh, I believe right now we have 23, which is still three more than head coach Tim Hankinson had at this point last year. But Martin Rennie told me in person that he was targeting 23 to 24 players and he had signed players. He just wasn't allowed to tell me all of their names. So with 24 players on a roster, you're going to see rotation. You might as well. Right. And you're going to see a lot of opportunity for players to earn their, their roles. Uh, This will be a different look. It will be completely different for Indy 11. I would be excited to see battles at positions Josh hit it right on the head. There was not a lot of competition. there was not a lot of competition at, at some spots, particularly left back. Nemanja, Nemanja Vukovic was uncontested at left back, and he should have been because he needed to be held in check a little bit more often. Uh, super striker, I'm referring to super striker Nemanja Vukovic, of course. And we'll wrap up here in a little bit, but before we do, let's swing it around really quick. You can maybe give a sentence or two of explanation, but just give your champion, and we're not talking, you know, who wins the table or best record in both leagues. You know, we're talking about who wins the playoffs, who hoists that title. So I'll start. I'll give my opinion first. I think I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, they just they have so much quality from top to bottom, uh, and it just seems like sometimes they'll lose a player or a guy will get injured, and it's like they don't even really drop off their level of play. So I'm just so impressed with the top of the roster. And of course they just added uh, Jacksonville Armada midfielder, Jack Blake, who really blossomed last year, especially in the second half of the season. He was one of the best players in the NASL last year. So I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Rowdies and I'll kick it over to you, John. You there, John? Yes. Uh, My gut tells me energy FC because I want it to happen. My head tells me that it's going to be something crazy like Cincinnati finally getting it done, maybe. But I think Cincinnati's going to end up choking in the playoffs because they're going to have to play the Charleston Battery. Uh, if, if Energy FC managed to not go up against an MLS2 team in the first round of the playoffs, they win the cup. But they don't finish in the top four in the West. Aaron, who's your champion? There's a lot to unpack with John's statements there, but I'm going to skip that for now. Um, 
<laughs> Cincinnati's the best on paper, but I think they have too many expectations to live up to. I still think that you're the champion until proven otherwise. Louisville City, again, returning the entire coaching staff and 90% of the players is is the favorite until proven otherwise. Louisville City will repeat simply because of continuity and coaching. That is the opposite of a hot take. I can get behind it. <laughs> yeah, it's not a hot take. I mean, it's just it's a safe pick, but... Why would you do something different than that? I mean, if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's the saying. Uh, that's where I'm from. Um, that's what people say around here. And and that's I'm done talking. Napoon. Yeah, as I said earlier, I think uh, Aaron is right. I think the big question will be with with Louisville City will be injuries, and uh, we saw that right. Indy Eleven had a fantastic season. One season, the following season, they didn't change much and just got smashed with injuries. So if Louisville City stays clear of injuries, they, they are favorites. Otherwise, I'm going to pick New York Cosmos to win the USL. <laughs> That's a hot take. That is a really hot take. It's useless, but it's a hot take. Mm-hmm. I was going to say like that most my, of my family, but go ahead. I, I was going to say my starting left back for the 11 is Jurgen Sommer. Ooh, <laughs> too soon, bro. <laughs> Way too soon. Does it matter? Does it matter? He's my now my my kids' club coach that I actually coach with now. Thanks, Jurgen. Shout out to Jurgen. Um, I'm conflicted. I don't want to say anything that will jeopardize uh, Mason's kids' playing career. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mason, who, who's your champion this year? Man and. And I, honestly, I want to say it's going to come from the East, but I said, you know, there's a lot of great teams in the West I think we're neglecting here. I mean, I think the OKC shout-out's great. Um, I want to say because the investment and the professionalism of FC Cincinnati, I don't know if you guys really noticed what they've been really – I mean, I'm sure most of them have been taking notes because we're all soccer nerds. But, I mean, I have to give a little nod to FC Cincinnati, not because of the MLS nod they're looking to get, but just the level of professionalism and the players they signed in the offseason really shows that they really want to win. Um, I'm going to go with Cincinnati as much as I hate to say it out loud. Interesting. FC Cincy, huh? Turncoat. Yeah, that's going to be be tough for you on March 31st. We'll let you sit in their section. (laughs) I I mean, I'll pick our club over any club any other week, but I said – Coming brand new into the league, I just don't know where we fit in. And even if I were to take the team that we had in the NASL and brought it directly over to this league, I don't know where you would land. So I just want to see year one, seeing the competition come through the city and make a better assessment in terms of what we need to do moving forward. But I said, uh, just on paper and what I've seen thus far, our team is extremely fast. All the things that you said, uh, give Indy 11 every opportunity to win. But I'm just saying, FC Cincinnati, FC Cincinnati has put so much firepower on that roster. I mean, and it's it's hard not to take notice. But let's go fan to fan real quick, and I, and I want to jump in and I want to talk about this. I have I have heard numbers, and and I keep bringing this up because I I would be ecstatic to see this happen. I think rivalries build sports. I think rivalries drive the whole storyline. It's it's what the fans here have been missing. There have been rumors that 
Cincinnati is is threatening to bring 2,000 traveling fans to Indianapolis to populate Lucas Oil Stadium uh, for the home opener for Indy 11 on March 31st. What do you know of that? What do you say to those traveling fans? And uh, as a as maybe even a neutral or a homer, how do you feel about that? couple things number one first and foremost the hotel closest to the stadium happens to employ someone on this podcast family member and i think if you're staying in town you should take full advantage of the wonderful amenities of the hotel directly west of lucas oil stadium fc cincinnati fans shout number one number two yeah shout out joe shout out to kj there uh, shout out to shill chrissy plug yeah Plug for Shilk Chrissy. Two, two is they are taking over Basie's, which actually I saw Greg Basie today, as a matter of fact, and he's more upset that we're not populating his establishment. But they are taking over Basie's just west of the stadium uh, prior to game day. And we, and Napoon and I had a chance to talk to quite a few of the fans. Their intent is to bring closer to 2,000 fans. I, I all but encourage them to spend money in our city and attend our games because every extra butt in a seat is better for Indy 11. And honestly, I encourage every Indy 11 fan to sit in the Big Grand Battalion and be competitive to those 2,000 fans coming to this game. Absolutely. Appreciate the plug, by the way. Um, And if you're unsure of what Mason was talking about, uh, my wife works at the Holiday Inn Express and Suites. It is the closest maximum shill. It it is the closest. I'm not exaggerating. And, you know, oh, it's nearby. It's literally hugging Lucas Oil. It's right across the street. Uh, Yeah, but I'm not going to bore you with the details. Get at me on Twitter, at KJ Boxing. I'll get you situated, get you the best rate available. You will love it. You will not believe how close it is. Um, And, gentlemen, any final thoughts before we wrap up here? Yeah, I have a a final thought. I didn't know that Softics was just a front for money laundering Chris's uh, (laughs) money. So this this is new to me. It's also a platform for me to complain about people's poor graphic design choices. (laughs) We've got a lot of skills here, a variety of skills here at Shocktex. Hashtag skills for shields. <laughs> well, Mason, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Can you tell our listeners um, if they want to get involved in the Brickyard Battalion, if they live in the central Indiana area and they want to get involved, how can they do so? Obviously, always visit BrickyardBattalion.com. There's obviously plenty of links you can reach to reach us, but I'm at I'm on social media at, at MasonZBT at both on Twitter, on Facebook, find me both ways. And uh, my email is masonzbt at gmail.com. Reach out to me directly. I We have gotten more and more involvement year over year. We want more people to get involved in soccer culture. And this year is really going to be a great year for us in terms of getting more involvement. So, yeah, by all means, get more involved. And thank you so much for listening. We had a great panel today. We had Aaron Gunyan, Nipun Chopra, John Leonard, and our guest, president of the Brickyard Battalion, Josh Mason. I'm your host, Kevin Johnston. This has been episode 44. And also thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. We will be back next week with another episode of the Sock Takes Pod. Until then, we wish everyone good night and farewell.